passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. Whenever Doc now loses a job, it's always like the cover your ass uh, revenge tour that he goes on on podcasts and TV and what have you. And I'm not even saying that the things he said recently were wrong or off base, but. I do think that that's something to consider as we try to assess what Harden's role in this is or if teammates were doubting him or or looking at him sideways or whatever it is. I just always remember that. So I agree with you. The big conversation we've been having at WIP on the air is like, do the Sixers have a culture problem? And I've continually said no, because like if Melton makes a few more threes and they're in the conference finals, like I don't know. Like, so to your point, like I cover an Eagles team that last year, maybe the best year in franchise history besides winning. And it's like, what a great culture. Everything's great. Da, da, da. They lose the Super Bowl. Darius Slay is saying, you know, well, the defense and the secondary, like things always leak through when you lose. And the Sixers had a really bad loss. So I do agree with you that that loss kind of makes those things come out. But man, I, it would really suck for me personally if I cape for Harden all offseason and then next year he's doing all this like, Flying off to Houston, not trying hard. Like, that would be be a concern for me. So let's get into the Doc Rivers uh, interview. Um, so he's on the Bill Simmons podcast. And for me, he touched on three main issues. Tell me if you think there's other ones. But the culture, like the losing culture when he got there. Uh, Embiid, how he can make his teammates better and his relationship with his teammates. And then Harden, you know, their kind of relationship as a coach player. But him saying that Harden looked to score more as the year went on. Um, which do you want to start on? Of those well, that, that's where I will say that was factually un, untrue. If you just yeah. look at the splits for the season, 
Harden post, or I'll just I'll pull it up right now. It was Harden post break actually shot basically exactly the same and scored less. So yeah. if we're talking about the playoffs, and maybe that's what Doc's getting at here, that in the playoffs, James decided, well, I'm gonna we're gonna go out on my sword rather than you know setting up others. I think there was a great argument for him to do so. The whole thing was mm-hmm. Joel's hurt. Somebody's got to be the guy. Or when Joel comes back, Joel's compromised. So yeah, they're going to rely on James more. So I thought that part was unfair. I thought the part that was more interesting with Harden that I think is central to the question of, do you want to bring him back? And can he be a guy who's a, a title winning leader as one of your co-stars? is all the stuff about him not being a useful off-ball player and essentially saying, look, you look at guys like Steph Curry and how hard they work when they don't have the ball. Harden doesn't do that. He's never going to do that on either side of the ball. And there's an element of Doc where it's, you know, we're all trying to find the guy who did this in the hot dog suit and it's Doc Rivers (laughs) in the hot dog suit. And he should take some level of responsibility for that. But this is also who James Harden has been for his whole yeah. career. He's He's been an ISO-heavy, or at least from Houston onward. He's been an ISO-heavy guy who bleeds the clock, plays slow, plays methodical. I just That's who you're getting with him. And so that's why a lot of people have questions about him as a title-winning co-star. It's why teams have found a lot of success slowing him down. And frankly, we could apply all this to some extent to Joel Embiid too. Like when Joel gets schemed against the way he was in the Boston series and Al Horford shuts him down as a scorer. I'm just watching my dog throughout this. Dude, honestly, way. it's he so hard like, for me not to concentrate. It's on so, dog, it's so yeah. dramatic with this. He's like moving uh, around, he's climbing around. up. Yeah, yeah. It's a, so it's a, if you look at how they essentially took Joel completely out of his rhythm in that series, he's got to find other ways to impact the game offensively. Like I know we always fall back on He's a great defender and he does this and he does that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's also got to be able to keep his offensive value high enough for them to be an elite team, for them to be a contending team. And he didn't read doubles well. Like the Brooklyn series, he certainly was a good enough playmaker to beat that crappy team. But against a real team in the playoffs, he wasn't able to do it. And so he's got to be a more aggressive screener. He's got to be maybe use him more of like an off-ball cutter or a guy who's actually rolling hard to the rim and being a lob target in a way that he just hasn't been up to this point in his career. So I think that criticism from Doc for Harden was fair. And I think it's something we have to think about as we apply that to Joel Embiid and you know his place as the star moving forward. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. So when I heard Doc talking about this and I was thinking like, yeah, he didn't move enough for Doc, maybe under Nick Nurse, blah, blah, blah. I just had this vision of James like having to run around the court and just pulling a hamstring and like, that's it. Like, so, you know, like I, while I do get. And Doc actually mentioned that too. He's like, I wish I had the younger James that maybe I could have gotten more. uh, Right. So more active. it was also so funny. I mean, you already brought the numbers up, but when you look at it, it was something like 14 and a half, 15 shot attempts before all-star break, 15 shot attempts after all-star break, 
15 shot attempts in the playoffs or whatever when Joel wasn't on the court. It obviously went up in, in, in the games he wasn't. But And also for a player that we all sit here all playoffs and we're like, yo, bro, try to score. Like, what are you doing? You're driving into the lane and kicking it out or you're being like super passive to use that as an excuse. Now, shot attempts are not always the best way. Like, we don't know behind yeah. the scenes, like whatever. But, but that was a funny um, thing. I mean, the other thing is it is pretty clear that James and Doc like bumped head maybe more than I was aware, bumped heads more than I was aware of while the season was going on. And again, to your point about how winning hides these things, this was a team that, you know, was competing for the number one seed that won their first playoff series that was on the brink of eliminating Boston. So there was not a ton of stretches throughout the year where, where things were really ugly, which is probably why you didn't hear about it. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, to have your second best player or one A or whatever butting heads with your head coach, like certainly not ideal. And you would hope that when Nick Nurse and James met, they were more on the same page. And that's important for the Sixers to figure out, like, is James going to be happy in the role that they have for him? Because otherwise you're going to have this same thing that he had with Doc, where James isn't super happy with the role. He's talking to reporters about how much he's sacrificing. He's still not really doing what Doc wants. So that is a, an important thing to have to figure out with James as well. Yeah, so look, this whole the James Harden thing is just going to be back and forth and back and forth up to when he signs the deal. And then right after he signs the deal, it'll be another debate until they oh, take yeah. the floor in October. And then they'll still be the people, and rightfully so, I, I think we could both say, right up until the playoffs. And hey, you got to prove it in the playoffs, James. That's the bed that he's made for himself. So I, and then I even think after the first win, round. Yeah, anything, anyone who is a skeptic on Harden, I get. Anyone who is a booster of Harden, I also get, maybe to a lesser extent. And uh, I thought Doc's, I, don't, I wouldn't even call it criticism. I thought Doc's analysis or assessment of him was, was pretty fair. So the most concerning thing that Doc said, and it was weird. The interview was a weird combination of this guy is like somewhat trying to cover his own ass, but also... I do think there was some honesty in there. Like a lot of things he said, we would probably say outside of if, if Doc was saying it. And to me, the thing that was the most worrisome is maybe the word was the Embiid stuff. Like not only on the court and I, cause you're right against Boston, he didn't do a good job deciding out of doubles. And you know, we've had it slammed in my face. I should say quite a bit over the past week. Jokic is better getting his teammates involved. Like we get it. Okay. So Embiid needs to be better at that. But I thought the off the court stuff, was not ideal to hear about your leader, your best player. Like we can say that, you know, PJ's the leader or whatever. Joel has to be the guy. Like he's your best player. He has to be the guy. And if we talk about the culture thing, you know, is it Doc? Is it James? Like, was it Ben? Was it Jimmy? Jo Joel's the one that's been here through all the iterations of this team. And it's kind of been the exact same problem throughout all iterations of this team. Getting in the second round, coming up somewhat small and Joel having like stretches where he looks disinterested or doesn't play well. So that was concerning in the way that like he, he almost implied he isn't that close with his teammates or he needs to be better at telling his teammates he loves them. I think is how doc put it. I just, that wasn't great to hear about Joel that there's at this point in his career, we're still talking about like, Hey, like be tighter with your teammates, like be a better leader in that regard. I, I didn't like hearing that from doc. Well, so I'll say this. I'll, I'll take a middle ground position here, which is everyone's least favorite position on the podcast. Say, yeah. But his teammates and, and Doc Rivers as well have 
said that he's come out of his shell and been more of an active off-court guy in the last couple of years. So this, I do think, has a degree of cover your ass mentality. Yeah, but I would push back and say that when you say it at the podium, I don't know. Like a lot of times, and you can. Yeah, yeah but he said it's like says it at, in scrums and in like more private right, settings right. too. It's not, and he's not the only one. Guys like okay. Shake Milton, who have played with him for quite a long time now, have said things to that effect. Now, to your point and what we're discussing here, I do think that Joel has to act more. Almost like you'd act, you'd want a quarterback to act with their offensive line, but mm-hmm. with the whole team. Where I'm not asking Joel to be a different guy than he is. He's a homebody. He stays at home and hangs out with his son and his fiance, soon to be wife, all that. And I don't. It's better that he's not a partier and not adding to his health problems by you know going out drinking and doing all that stuff but you can go to you go to team dinners and do team activities and be more of a galvanizing force in that way i think especially on the road when that's your your best time to try to bring the group together that's when teams really come together and i do think this group was closer than they've been in years before Mm -hmm. i think some of that is because of joel and his maturation as a leader and we wouldn't be talking about this if they had just won that series. Yeah, right? I, I agree with that. There, 100%. there wasn't, I didn't see something in the Boston series that was like, man, this team is not together or they hate each other mm-hmm. or they don't trust or, or love Joel or whatever. I saw Joel wasn't good enough and I saw James wasn't good enough. Those were the problems because look, the role players came out and delivered in game seven and those guys were bought in. This was not like, hey, we're coming to Boston to lose after we gave up that game six. You could see among a lot of those guys, there was still belief that they could get this done. And that to me is the best reflection of, if you want to call it team culture or team bonding, whatever it is. If they had all come up there and laid down, then you could say, yeah, this just this group doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. They don't have what it takes on and off the floor, all that. But that's not what I saw. You could definitely say that about the star players and say, yeah. Joel and James didn't do what it took. And if you want to say, hey, maybe Joel should have went to, you know, three more Momofuku dinners in <laughs> New York or, you know, whatever, whatever it would have taken to be more that guy, then, okay, I'm sure that was a contribution to all this. I, I just, I don't think from what I can see and what we see manifest every day behind the scenes, on the floor, whatever, I, I don't think that was the problem. So, I do agree with you that these are things we're talking about. And look, Doc's not doing the interview if they beat the Celtics because he's probably still the head coach. So, so yes, like these are products of the losing. And, you know, again, to the culture thing, the Sixers have won, I don't know, like top five regular season games in the last five years. They win in the playoffs. I know people don't want to hear it, but they win playoff games a lot more than other teams do. They haven't broken through. All that's frustrating. I don't think they have a culture problem. My only thing is to, you know, your joke about the dinner, which you're right. Like, is Joel going out five more times going to mean that they win game seven? Probably not. But I don't know, man. Like, I can't I can't get over the, like, Jalen Hurts is such a leader. Everyone loves that about him. And then on the flip side, be like, well, whatever. I, I just, in Joel, when I'm around him, like, at, you know, the games I've covered and just, like, watching him in warm-ups, he just seems like a quiet guy, which is fine. And I guess that's what you would prefer. 
But then that also seems to be the same guy that looks emotionally disinterested in game seven. Like I'm worried maybe as a leader, he just goes inside of a shell and that, and, and like, that's what the team becomes because of that. But I guess you're right that the role players didn't do it in game seven. So. I yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a fair thing to think about for him as the star of the team, right? If yeah. we have to sit here and worry about, Hey, is Joel going to be up for this game or up for this moment in the biggest moments? That's a huge concern. I just, I don't think we're seeing what I would call culture-based problems with player relationships. I think all those guys, they're not very, they're not all as tight-knit as they could be, but he's got good relationships with guys on the team. He's just not, it's not like Maxie and Melton where they're hanging out away from the floor and doing things. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't think that's See, but that, who, how me, Joel is. To me though, like I would love if Joel was a part of that. I just would like, it doesn't mean he it's going to mean them win more. Like I just, it would, I would love to know that the best player on the team is the one everyone wants to hang out with and that he's hanging out with them too. Like, I think there's, there's an advantage to that. Sure. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, just, <laughs> well, I don't think that's who he is. Yeah. Well, long-term we'll see how that plays out. Um, The last thing with the culture is, and I thought this was the biggest like deflection blame, like all those things. Uh, where he said that they have a big losing culture problem because of the process and he tried to fix it and they're never going to win until until it's fixed. Like, I don't know, man. They've won 50-plus games a lot. They were in the second round before you got there. They did the same thing when you were there. I, like, I don't know, you're around the team a lot. Do you still feel the remnants of the process around? There are so few guys that are even left. It's basically it's just, just Joel. It's Joel, essentially. So... I don't know, man. I look, I think there are things that have changed in a positive way over the years where they do have more buy-in for things like low minute games on off days at the practice facility, guys being more committed to the weight room and all that kind of stuff. Some of that's just they have better, more experienced players now. Guys come in from college, I could tell you right now, their habits are bullshit. Like most mm -hmm. of these guys are used to they eat whatever they want. They say, oh, if I miss this day working out or I only get two hours of sleep this night or I do this, like these guys are in such good shape that they think there are no repercussions for that. And come to find out when you're playing against guys who are taking all of that very seriously, it matters, that's yeah. a big problem. So I, I do think that there are elements behind the scenes that people don't think about that have improved. I do think too, I know competitiveness in the regular season was the thing we dinged them on at times. But I would still say their night-to-night -night culture was much better where, I mean, the comebacks were a big yeah, part of 100%. that that we talked about where it's, in years past, they would have just laid down and died like dogs. Like they just would have, we yeah. saw so many games where they would go on the road and they're playing not even a good Cleveland team, a Cleveland team with like Colin Sexton and guys like that. And they go mm -hmm. down 20 and it's like, well, this game's over. Like this, this team's done. Yeah. And now there's even when they find themselves in those positions, I think there were very few games all year where the Sixers went out there and just died and said, "Nah, we don't have it tonight." They that has been the biggest change I think since Doc came in and since Ben Simmons left, because Ben was fairly consistent in that regard, but certainly had his ups and downs i just think night to night they're a better more committed team and that's a good example of 
how the culture has changed, but it's also the team has just gotten better. They just have better yeah, they players. They're not better players. they're not relying on you know the Hollis Thompson anymore. Yeah. So. Well, another takeaway from the Doc thing was, and I I liked Doc more than most. I wouldn't say I was you know an extreme Doc defender. I just wasn't on the side of get him out of here. He's why the, he's why they're losing. I did when I was listening to it make me think maybe Nick Nurse will be a will be like a real competitive advantage for them. And I think about it with Bradley Beal and Maxi and all these guys, that maybe we'll just get more out of these players last year than Doc got out. Like maybe Doc's specialty was not the X's and O's. It was the motivational things and all that. But I I I am excited after listening to Doc to have a new head coach and just to see what that what that's gonna look like next year.